Shalom and welcome. Today we're going to be talking about a subject in Judaism that's fascinating and something you probably never heard even exists in the world of Judaism itself. You know, today there's a spiritual revolution going around the world. Millions and millions of people are finding out about their own spirituality and exploring that spirituality in a way that they never considered they would do before. People from backgrounds that would shock you are all of a sudden realizing, you know what, I have a soul, or there's a God, or there's a spirituality in existence in this world, and there's something to look into that can really make my life more enriched and more fulfilling and more meaningful. There's an area of Judaism that a lot of people are looking into. That is the area of meditation. Meditation is something that most people are not familiar with. A lot of people don't take the time out, obviously, to even care about what meditation means. But it's something that can make your life more enriching and a lot more fulfilling. So let's find out a little bit more about it, and we'll check into what is this topic of Jewish meditation all about. So in order to do that, of course, as usual, we always take the best, and we have with us two special guests, a husband and wife team who have been teaching meditation since 1981. We're happy to have with us today Eitan Talit and Judy Talit. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. Okay, we're looking forward. Thank you very much. We're looking forward to some interesting discussion. Can you give us a little bit of an idea? How did you get involved with this topic of Jewish meditation? Most people never even heard of it. How all of a sudden did you not only get involved with it, but make it such a, a, a preoccupation of your lives for so many years? Well, um, I guess about 25 or 30 years ago, we got involved in meditation. It wasn't Jewish at the time. Um, we did yoga meditation and other types of spiritual paths. And eventually, we found our way to um, came back home to a place where we're more comfortable with doing meditation in a Jewish way. So how did you find out about <coughs> Jewish meditation at that time? It was a coincidence. Somebody came into my office um, and told me about Judaism right. altogether and about Jewish meditation, that it exists. And I started looking into it and reading a lot about it and finding out that it's been with us for thousands of years. Sure, sure. And we've put together a program that has been going on for all these thousands of years that our sages have been using, that people have been using for all these days. Judy, can you tell us a little <coughs> bit also about how you view the transition? I mean, it's very nice that both of you were able to make this transition together. It's very unique because a lot of times in a marriage, one person can make a change, another person feels left behind, and it's really not done as a couple. Were you into it more, or who was uh, leading the way, or you both did it as a team at the time? Well, I think that each of us was on a spiritual path, and yes. we each supported each other in whatever we did, and we were traveling together in this, but at the same time, everyone moves at their own level, so it gave us opportunities for growth within ourselves and as a couple, uh, but mostly it was an opportunity for us to show people that there was spirituality in Judaism. Right, which most people are, are not aware of even to this day. Right. That's right. And that in our paths of not doing Jewish meditation, we met so many Jewish people who their experience of Judaism was community of the synagogue or um, rituals. Right, the high holidays, the, the chapel of sculptures, the gifts of fish, and these right. types of things. But they, weren't, they didn't feel that their soul the light within them was being reached. And right. so they were often looking to Eastern methods of doing so. Right. And we felt at that point in our own transition that we could help people to see that there really was spirituality in Judaism. And so, as Eitan said, we put together a program to introduce people 
in a very loving, healing way. Okay. Not pushing people to become more religious, right. but just to get in touch with that light in them that was very much connected to God. So you're teaching them some of the tools, basically, that our sages have taught for thousands of years for a person to be able to reach that meditative state. Right. Now, yeah. tell us a little bit about that program that you designed many well, years I would just ago. like to tell you something that I thought back as Judy was speaking. I remember sitting in an ashram many years ago. It seems like another lifetime altogether. For those who are not familiar with an ashram? An ashram is, I guess, a place... Not a Hebrew word, right? It's not a Hebrew <laughs> word. No, it's, uh, I think it's a Hindu word. Hindu word, correct. Right, for meditation done in, in yoga and in Hinduism. Right. And I looked around, and it turned out to be that 80%, there was about 1,000 people sitting in a room, 1,000 people, about 80% were Jews. You're kidding. No. That's incredible. That this is going incredible. back in the 70s. This is going back to the 70s. It doesn't shock me, but it's still just an incredible figure. And because Jews were very searching, and they wanted to know, and they felt that spirituality. That's but, right. of course, it just wasn't being offered. Right. And which we was were a one of those. Shame. We were two of those Jews. Yes, very much yes. so. We never realized that spirituality exists in Judaism. Right. Right. You know, Judaism is very deceptive in some ways. I don't mean in a bad way. I mean, because Judaism is so into the, the mitzvot and the right. commandments and the do's and the don'ts and the, the ritual. I don't, I don't right. like that word, but that's a, the, the ritual aspect of Judaism. Well, so people don't see beyond it. They see only the, the physical action, right. the do's and the don'ts, and don't see that each of those physical actions really is like a body that has a soul within it. Right. And it's a matter of connecting to the soul within the action in order to be able to get the full spirit of what Judaism is all about. Right. There's a word in Hebrew called halacha, which means Jewish law, Correct. basically. Most people that know anything about it understand it as Jewish law. Right. I happen to speak Hebrew, and halacha really means the way, a path. Right. Judaism, right, to walk, a Lisa. way, it's a path, right. right. Judaism is a spiritual path, is right. what it is. When you learn the essence of it, you find out that Judaism is nothing more than a spiritual path. Right, 100%. And when a person meditates, they get to experience when you talk about the commandments or the rituals, the richness of that experience so that if someone chooses to light a candle for the Sabbath, they're connecting with the real experience of bringing the light of God into the room rather than following a commandment. Okay, well, Judy, let's, let's concentrate on that for a second. Now, let's say you have Jewish women out there who might already have or have not but may consider lighting a, a candle, a very simple act, on a Friday night, 18 minutes exactly before sunset. Oh, it can be a little bit before, a little bit after, but as long as it's before sunset. Now, how, what would you suggest to a person when they're lighting that candle? How do they turn that into a meditation? Maybe I can answer that. I would like to just tell our audience that we have some tools that we use in our meditation. Okay. One of them is a candle. The reason we use that, and you'll find that actually in any uh, spiritual paths, they use candles for meditation. But in Hebrew, the word candle is ner. Ner is spelled nun and resh. Correct, two letters. There's two letters are an abbreviation for nefesh and uh, ruach and nefesh. Interesting. Nefesh and ruach, excuse me. Which are two names for the soul. Right, which is, which is uh, the two names of the soul, the soul and the spirit. Right. And when we light the candles, and I guess women on, on, on the Sabbath, when they light the candles, it's a way of connecting with that light which exists within us. We all have an inner light and we all have an outer light, the surrounding light. The inner light is that light of the candle. So by when we're meditating, when we view the candle, the light of the candle, we're actually looking at a mirror, at our inner self. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing would apply, Judy would agree, I think, when women light the candles on Friday night, it's to connect mm -hmm. with your 
inner self. Right. Judy, what do you think when you light the Friday night Shabbos <coughs> candles? What goes through your mind? Do you do a meditation every Friday night? I mean, Friday afternoon is a pretty hectic time in the Jewish home, especially preparing for Shabbos. Everything has to be cooked, prepared. Everything has to be clean and tidy. So all of a sudden you get there, and that moment of lighting the candles is probably one of the greatest transition points of any time in the home. And it must be a real effort to turn into a, a meditation because you've been running around all over the place before that. So what goes through your mind? But it's interesting because that's precisely the purpose of meditation. Ah, let me hear that. Okay. Please meditation explain. isn't about being in a quiet place all the time. That's why when we were in our groups and there's always noises coming in, whether it's traffic from the street or whatever it is, that's the time to meditate because that's the time. There's always going to be extraneous thoughts and noises and things going on. But being able to meditate, and meditation really means focusing and going inside to be close to, to God inside, that's the best time because you practice. So on Friday night in lighting the candles, it's a perfect time to practice because it's almost like a paradox because, like you just said, it's the busiest time of preparing everything. And then now it's all over. So you just take There's a deep breath. There's nothing more to do. You get ready for the Shabbos to come. You light Absolutely. those candles. The joy of just bringing in that light, that godly light, and knowing that there's nothing else to do to just be in the presence of the light that comes in when the candles are lit. It's a very deep experience. And if someone is really <coughs> sensitive to the changes and the nuances of energy, you can feel the presence of God coming into the room. Mm -hmm. and just feeling the holiness that just takes over and the transition changes from a regular day to something <coughs> very, very holy and special. It's also learning how to incorporate the noise that, as Judy said, in the room. If you listen now, we have air conditioning going on. But it's either having it bother you or having it part of you and learning how to incorporate it, how to incorporate that busyness and dizziness that goes on before Shabbos and to become part of it. Right. And to be in the center, we always like to talk about if you can visualize a circle, I'm going to use the cup as a circle. Yes. You have a circle and you have a dot in the middle. Right. If the circle is constantly going around and around and you're in the middle, if you're in the center, you're, you're not moving. Right. You're right in the center. But if you just move a little bit away from the center, you're going to be going around and around with the action. So it's a way of learning how to still your mind by using a tool and getting back to the center or how to center yourself. Had to focus on that center point. Right. right. Let me ask you a question. I remember back, I don't know if it was the late 70s or early 80s, when the Lubavitcher Rebbe first spoke about Jewish meditation and the importance of going out and educating Jews as to the fact that there was such a thing as Jewish meditation because there were so many, as you mentioned, thousands and thousands of Jews who were looking into this. The Rebbe spoke about sometimes the, the benefits of meditation from a health perspective also, how a person could use it for inner peace, but also, of course, spoken by meditation as a means to be able to get closer to God. And this has been part of Hasidic teaching and Kabbalah and, and the teachings of Judaism for thousands of years. What would you say would be one of the differences between Jewish meditation and Eastern meditation? Do you see a, a major difference, minor difference? I have my own feelings about it, but I'm very interested to hear what both of you feel about that. Eitan, okay. what is your feeling? I would say there are minor differences. Okay. But those minor differences are very major. <laughs> okay. That sounds like a real uh, situation. Answer, answer, right? Of course, of course. Basically, uh, non-Jewish, non I guess, meditation that I've experienced, and I've done yogic meditation and other types, are basically a way of getting your head into the sky, All into right. the heavens. Does that mean feel closer to God? or Feel closer to God, 
in a lofty way, in a mental way, in a spiritual way, which is wonderful. And it was very exciting and very elevating and, and wonderful. The difference, I think, in Judaism is you still do the same exact thing. You have your head in the sky, but we also have our feet in the ground. As you were saying before, by doing mitzvahs, by doing things that ground us. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people that have meditated and haven't learned how to ground themselves, unfortunately have a hard time dealing with things that happen on this planet and connecting and being able to elevate mm -hmm. their soul. Judy? It, is, it really isn't about going off and leaving this world while living in it. It's about being fully in it and experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing fully. Okay. And so as Jews, that's really the path that we travel. So it's really learning how to bring God into right. the most practical and even mundane aspects of our life so that we can transform the most mundane of experiences into a spiritual meditative experience. Absolutely. Right. It's being able to feel the presence of God in your life at every turn, in every experience, at every moment which is a very lofty thought. So one second, does that mean that meditation is not like a particular time of the day that you go and meditate, but you try to teach a, a meditation approach where you're really bringing meditation into every aspect of your day? So what we tell our people in the group, where we run the groups, yeah. is when they come and meditate by us, it's like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym <laughs> and you do push-ups and you do right. jumping jacks and right. sit-ups. Why? So you can be a little stronger when you're outside. Right. If, God forbid, you have to lift a car to save somebody's life, you have the ability. It's the same thing. Right. When we come and we sit down and do it formally in meditation, we're practicing. We're getting a little stronger. So when we're outside in the world and we have to um, put up with an experience that might be a little difficult, we're able to cope with it better. Well, okay. Now, we're going to play a little devil's advocate. Let's say I'm somebody out there watching this show. And <coughs> Judy and Natan are talking about bringing meditation into practical ways of life. Now, does that mean that, let's say I'm in the middle of, um, of the post office, I'm on a long line, and uh, you know, I can use the meditation that Judaism offers in order to be able to make myself have a completely different attitude about waiting on that line? It's a very simple example. I can think of worse ones, but we won't go well, into all the other ones. I think, I think the first thing that we like people to remember is that we believe that nothing happens by choice. And I think the Judaism believes nothing happens by, by choice. By chance. By, ch by chance. By so chance. What did right. I say? By choice, choice we have. You see? Chance everything happens. Right. right. Nothing happens by chance. Okay. By coincidence. There must be a reason why you said that. That's right. I've got to think about that. I have to meditate on that. Um, but the things that really nothing happens by coincidence. So if you find yourself in the post office and somebody's pushing into you and somebody's stepping on your foot and it's hot and the air conditioner is off and you're all sweaty and you just want to grab somebody by the throat and from to the next post office, <laughs> you're able to come back to the now, you're able to come back to your, take, your method of meditating, whether it's visualization or auditory, whatever it is, take a deep breath, come back to the now, and everything changes, your perspective changes. You understand that this is how it's supposed to be, this is your experience, mm -hmm. and what is, why are you there? Are you there for that other person? Maybe you can help them, rather than start yelling at them because they stepped on you by accident. Right. That's what meditation can do. Interesting. Judy, how do you, what do you say about that? And how do you apply that in your life? I think that what Eitan said is absolutely right, that when you're in a place and you already are a meditator, you understand that you're not just merely in a place to get stressed out. You're learning something about yourself and your Wherever situation. Wherever you are, whatever situation might be. Right. And okay. so that if you're in that situation, then you learn about how do you react to a situation because maybe the person in front of you is calmly thinking 
about how, isn't this wonderful? I have 20 minutes now, and I don't have to be home taking care of the kids. I'm, this is my free time away. Whereas you're rushing to the bank and doing 10 other things, so you're rushing. But it gives you a perspective of knowing that, okay, well, now I'm here now, and I'm going to be here, and I'm going to experience my experience so instead really of being somewhere else. So it's really connecting to the here else. now to a great yes. degree. Yes. Exactly. Okay, now, that's in terms of connecting to God. Let's say a person wants to connect to God. They don't know if God's out there. They are willing to try meditation. They're willing to see if they can somehow arouse that soul that people are telling them is in there, and they would like to believe it. And I meet many people say, listen, Rabbi, I would love to be able to believe the way you believe, but I just can't do it. By meditating, is that, let's say, some way that they can feel that type of connection there, take all those, those blockades that are stopping the soul from being able to express itself, and let it flow in much more of a freestyle manner that they can feel it. Is that something that you do? I, yes. I think that some people that have asked, uh, have asked us what is meditation used for. Obviously, there's all the side benefits of lowering blood pressure and, and all the benefits that, that are in the, uh, in the medical books. But I think all of us, whether we're religious or not religious, we all pray in our own way. You know, we ask God, unless somebody's an atheist, I, I, I imagine, uh, we ask God for this and we ask God for that. Those of us that formally pray, we have all these things that we ask. We have a whole list. Give me, uh, you know, money and, and uh, honor and happiness and this and that. But how many of us stop and listen for the answer? It's like if, I, if you would ask me a question just mm-hmm. now as you did, and after that you turn around and walk away and go get a glass of water. Right. I'd be sitting here trying to answer you and can't answer you. When we ask for these things, I think that meditation gives us a time and space of listening for the answer. And we all have the answers within us. It's just a way of tapping into the answer that is within us. But we have to put the time aside so we can listen to it. We can hear our inner self, or we can hear God's, Hashem's answer to us. All right. Judy? Sometimes people say there is no God in their life. And once a person begins to meditate and become quiet because really the purpose of meditating is to become quiet and still inside so that you can experience God because the meditation experience of God is strictly that it's an experience it's beyond the intellect we could talk about it but it's really about sitting down and going how do I ever explain this like saying you know how do you love someone you know you can put words to it but it's an experience of going deeply inside and feeling the presence of that mm-hmm. loving God right so so much first is about quieting yourself down and then it's about the intention that you have right so that we ask people before they meditate to have an intention and to make it twofold one for themselves and one for sharing because that's the aspect just as we breathe in we also breathe out and so it's the aspect of sharing and that we'll tell people well does that mean that when you're sitting here for 20 minutes meditating that you're going to manifest that let's say someone wants to feel the presence of God or they want to heal themselves from an illness does that mean they're going to get up after 20 minutes and walk away and they're fine or that God is going to stand before them in his holiness we always say sometimes yes and sometimes no. But what you're doing is you're planting the seed. Which is and very important. And you're opening. Right. right. Which and is an important first step. Exactly. And so then you begin to water it as you mm-hmm. start to meditate more deeply and you become more quiet Then your meditations are deeper. Right. And your experience. I remember when I was in rabbinical school. So, of course, as you're familiar, many of the Chabad texts, the Babavich books and the deep books on Hasidic thought, 
deal with meditation also. The famous Tanya and many other books, look at the Torah, famous books by the great sages and the great rebbers. And I remember studying these these texts in yeshiva. We didn't necessarily have any formal course in meditation itself, but many of the texts dealt with the idea of being able to deal with an idea, to take an idea, whether it be the hero is a lord or God, the Lord is one, which is the basic tenet of Jewish Judaism, of monotheism, the Shema, or whether it be any other concept, and try to to connect to the the, the the soul of the words. In other words, the word is a vessel that holds a spirit, a feeling, a, a communication, a, a, a soul. That's right. And what we try to do is connect to it. So we try to connect to it to the point where the letters kind of fall off and we feel connected to what's inside. So this also, I think, mm-hmm. going back to something else in terms of the difference between Jewish meditation and non-Jewish meditation will be a little difference because I think part of non-Jewish meditation from the impression I get is to really clear your mind completely of anything to be a total vacuum. And Judaism sometimes encourages us to focus on, you know, to use a meditative point as a way of really focusing on getting into the core, into the essence of something. Any reactions to that? Yes, that would be one technique. There are many different techniques. And, you know, we're people. And every person is made up differently. Some people are more visual. Some people are more auditory. Some people are more mental. Some people are less. So we have many different techniques. We use the olive, for example, as a visualization. We use mm-hmm. the candle as a visualization. Right. We can use we get a shot of that olive yeah, so I, we can uh, right. take a look at that and see how that's used as a visualization. It's a beautiful art piece and it's uh, of course it's the first of the letter of the Hebrew alphabet right and it has three different parts on it maybe you can give us an explanation of those three parts or okay. whatever explanation okay. you want to give okay well yes um, there are many different there are many uh, okay. many deep explanations uh, on all different levels um, the Aleph is the first letter Aleph is one okay it's the equivalent number of one right and Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet it's also the all the Hebrew letters oh. have numeral equivalents. Right. So Aleph is one. And it's the first letter of the word Echad. Echad also means one in Hebrew, like mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. which also happens to be God's name. Mm-hmm. Um, the Aleph is the one within the one. It's the oneness within the one. Okay. So by focusing on the Aleph, we're able to focus on the one within the oneness. Or the other way around, they both work out. Uh, so that's one visualization technique. Another okay. one would Can be, I just add please. Something? The Aleph is also made up of three letters, mm-hmm. so that you have the lower Yud, the mm-hmm. upper yeah, Yud. This the lower Yud. I'm right. sorry. Lower Yud is over here. Right. The, the upper, upper yud, yud is over here. And then you have the and connecting letter, which is the Vav, right. which in one visualization we may ask people to look at it as a ladder, reaching from the physical realm up to the spiritual realm. Right. And sometimes we'll lead a person through an emotional um, visualization of as they slowly go up the ladder of letting go of whatever they may be holding on to, so mm-hmm. that by the time they reach the spiritual realm, they're more clear and they've let go of the burdens that they're carrying. Okay. Now, you also use a candle for visualization during your meditations? Yes, and what is the meaning behind the candle as a visualization? I think we discussed that before. Well, right. uh, that's, that's for Friday night writing of the candles, right. but let's say during a meditation, would there be anything different or would it be the same as what you had explained to me? Well, we have a candle there. We don't... During dis- all your meditations? Right. Ceremonies. We, okay. we, we'll tell people that sometimes people, especially people who may not have meditated before, they may feel uncomfortable keeping their eyes closed. Right. Or they might find that after a few minutes, it's too hard for them to keep their eyes closed. So instead of just looking around the room and kind of forgetting about everything, right. we say, focus on the light of the candle. 
the inner light is Aton explained, the okay. core light, the outer light, the surrounding right, light. Right, because there are many, once you really so stare at a candle in the darkness, you see many different layers of that right. light. It's really Absolutely. fascinating. All the way down to all the blue. the colors and the glowing golden right. light. And that that really is representative of, of the neshama, as right. we said, right. Just and add God's light surrounding us. Right. And on something you said in Nathan also, of course, King Solomon said, "Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam," that the candle of God, God's candle that He's holding, so to say, is what is the soul of mankind. Of so that when we look at a a candle, we're really looking at it somewhere with a parable of what our soul is. That the wick, per se, is the is like the body which okay. the soul is being held onto, and the wax which is the giving the sustenance to this flame to be able to do the mitzvahs and the good deeds right. that we do in order to be able to keep the body and the soul connected. Without right. that wax, of course, what happens? The candle loses and just uh, dissipates. We also tell people that as each one of us is a candle, that it's our responsibility to be a candle for someone else. Right. Because in everything that we do, we always <coughs> talk about the aspect of sharing. And so that whatever we, we gather together in our own light... Now we can share something with somebody else. Right, and, and specifically also, let's say if you're in a dark room and you have a candle, to see the power of a candle. One candle, as the Rebbe often said, how one little candle can take a whole, room, a whole room and right. push away a tremendous amount of darkness, which is a spiritual lesson teaching every single one of, one of right. us in our lives, the power of one good deed, one little light that we can light, what it can do to affect many people That's around right. us. And we, we do the same thing when we have our guided healing meditation, which we do at the very end of our meditation where each person gets to visualize a person that they love or themselves that needs a place of healing. And we use the light, the infinite light of God mm -hmm. and guiding that place of darkness and making it fill with the light of God for their own healing. And right. it's very, very powerful. Good. Eitan? Well, yeah, I wanted to say something. You know, if you think of the heart, the heart's a pump that pumps blood. If you think of the mind, it's a pump, just like the heart that pumps thoughts. Now, that's good. It creates ideas, imagination, fantasy, and a lot of new ideas, computers, all mm -hmm. this came from these thoughts. But on the other hand, the mind is also working, is tiring us out. If we can find a way to, like a dog, you give the mind a little bone, it goes in the corner, you can have peace and quiet with your inner self. All right. That sounds great. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, I think we have the phone number to be able to put up on the screen. If anybody would want to contact... Eitan or Judy to be able to find out more about Jewish meditation. Can you please give us your number? 516-248-4336. Okay, that's the Center for Jewish Meditation and Healing, 516-248-4336. Great. So let's hope that somebody who might be interested in finding out a little bit more about Jewish meditation will give you a call. It's a fascinating area, of course, and I think it's got a tremendous amount to offer everybody. And we want to just thank you very much for being with us. And in the meantime, for everybody out there, if you get a chance to really think a little bit about what this means to you, what meditation could do to really help your life a little bit. Because you know what? Our lives are so fast, and we're running around, and we've got so many things going on, and we've got all schedules that are really sometimes overwhelming. That little time of the week where we can just say, I want to meditate. I want to be one with my Creator. I'll be one with myself. I want to give my soul a time for expression experience the Shabbos, do a mitzvah, do something that's going to bring that, that godly feeling down into our lives in a very practical way. That's really what it's all about. And that's really something that helps us, helps our children, helps our community, and, and our marriage in unbelievable ways that we can never underestimate. Take care. We'll see you next week. And Shalom.
Sisu besim, hasagi yulo, hine hine imoshi yapo. Sisu besim, hasagi yulo, hine hine imoshi yapo. Sisu besim, hasagi yulo, hine hine imoshi yapo. 